Welcome to Animalia's podcast, where every week we're discussing something in the world of wildlife and climate. My name is Anna Lee. And this is James. Uh, this week we are discussing the debate around eating mollusks for vegans. And of course, this sort of touches on the larger issue of veganism and uh, sort of right and wrong for those that are um, fighting for climate change or environmentalism, wildlife rights. Uh, you have people that are both vegan and non-vegan fighting for these larger, larger uh, issues. And that's, that's great. Um, and, and they shouldn't be, you know, convoluted too much. But uh, it's an interesting debate going on in the world of veganism, in the world of animal rights, uh, around whether or not oysters, mussels, scallops, clams sort of are more plant-like uh, or more animal-like in terms of whether or not it's ethical to eat them if you're someone who is avoiding animal products. From my research, um, one of the like, main viewpoints that came up was categorically oysters and mollusks are animals, but from a pain and ethics point of view, they don't feel the pain. Like they, they're, they're not, they don't have a central nervous system, so they aren't technically conscious. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I think there's uh, there's a difference that should be pointed out between not being able, not being sentient, um, and not having a central nervous system. I think sometimes, uh, I think some of the the arguments for for eating them kind of sort of confuse this the, the the difference between those two things. So for the listeners, sentience is you know the Really, I mean, technically the Webster's definition of it is the ability to perceive or feel things. But the sort of, you know, kind of um, layman's sort of definition of being sentient um, is, you know, one with the faculty of sensation um, and power to perceive, reason, and think. Uh, that is a different thing than having a central nervous system. And I think where uh, the argument would be had around uh, not eating um, oysters, clams, and mussels, uh, if you're living a vegan lifestyle, is that, yes, there is no central nervous system, but there are ganglia, um, which, you know, are uh, a sensory uh, uh, a sensory device that does show some signs of driving behavior, um, whether or not they open and close, for example, as a reaction to external stimuli. So, there is no central nervous system, but it doesn't mean necessarily you don't feel pain. So with that viewpoint, is that kind of saying like plants, like we don't know if plants feel pain. They're not, they could technically be considered sentient since they also react to things like sunflowers or, you know, would you say that eating a plant then would also be like, putting that in the same category. Yeah. I mean, I think if you take the absolute argument that, um, you know, uh, to say that because we don't know that oysters or mussels don't feel pain means we don't know if they do feel pain. Um, that was sort of posed by Peter Singer, who is the author of um, Animal Liberation, which is sort of is seen as one of the founding fathers of modern animal rights movements. Um, and he debates, by the way, uh, Singer has, has sort of changed his position a few times since even writing that book. Um, yeah, and so it's, it's clearly something that he's, he's debated a lot. Um, if you truly take the argument that because we don't know, 
then you have to, you can't assume that they don't, then yes, you can apply that to plants um, and really anything. And we, we, then we can't eat anything at all. Um, I think the one scientific evidence, which we should try to ground ourselves in um, is the presence of ganglia, um, which we do not see in plants. Um, And, you know, that is uh, something common with other animal species uh, and is a key part of their nervous system. And so there at least is a, element of a animal nervous system scientifically proven in in mollusks that are not in plants um so that that is you know i think an argument that you could you could make for why you can't sort of just adapt that to to plants fully um but again it doesn't prove that they feel pain um in the in the sort of way we we perceive it but also uh, i think a lot of animals don't feel pain in the way humans feel pain or in the way um more complex uh, species like pigs or dogs or elephants feel pain. It doesn't mean they don't. Yeah, that makes sense. So essentially, like, the ganglia is basically like their brain, like their... Yeah, it's not, I think it's not their brain in terms of the scientific definition of a brain. Um, Mollusks don't have a brain or a central nervous system, and that is the common argument for eating them, If even if you are living a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. But it's it sort of... Um, what allows them to... Yeah, it doesn't mean they, they, they don't feel pain. But I, I think the, the more interesting debate around here is like not necessarily around <clears throat> whether or not... Um, oysters and mussels uh, sort of count um, as part of uh, being vegan and more of the sort of broader discussion around veganism in general. Because I think uh, for me, I mean, I can explain my, my sort of lifestyle and point of view. Um, I live a vegan lifestyle, but it's not, but I'm always actually nervous to call myself a vegan because I'm not a vegan in this sort of absolute sense of the word. For, for example, there is a farm in Moorpark, California, um, that I have visited that, you know, treats their, their chickens extremely well, does not over harvest eggs. And I will buy eggs from that farm specifically and consume them and, and, and be fine with it. Um, because for me, there's sort of three aspects of why someone would be vegan. Um, and that's health, it's environmental, environmentalism, and it's, and it's sort of the moral animal rights issue, right? That kind of boils down to those three things. Um, and I think with, um, with mollusks, it's, you know, oysters specifically, uh, because scallops and mussels technically are, are dredged from the seafloor, and there is kind of byproduct um, casualties of that. But oysters, 95% of oysters are consumed from farms, uh, oyster farms. Yeah. So it's not a health issue. Clearly, eating oysters um, has health benefits. It has B12, um, which most vegans will know is something you have to supplement if you're living a vegan lifestyle pretty heavily. Um, and it's, it's not negative for the environment. And that's even proven out on the oyster farm side by environmentalists. So it's really only that moral rights issue. Um, and that's a, that's a, that's a gray area and a murky one because it's just, it's really subjective, right? I mean, everybody sort of gets to define what is morally right to them and what they, you know, would hope other people adopt in the same way everybody gets to find to define, you know, their belief in God or a greater power. Um, and so, you know, I think with a lot of other animal consumption, uh, there's clearly environmental issues. There's no question about the carbon footprint of, um, you know, of, of, of consuming pigs and, and, and raising cattle and, um, and sort of the negative impacts on the oceans of mass fishing. Um, but with oyster farming, particularly the environmental box is checked. 
the the health boxes checked. So it really comes down to the moral box. Um, and I think this kind of opens up the you know the issue I have with with veganism as someone who lives a vegan lifestyle, um, but doesn't like how polarizing the definition of it is because I think it actually works to its own disadvantage of pushing people away um, because it's such an absolutism where it's like you're either all in or all out. And therefore, then if you're if you can't go all in in the way that, you know, veganism is defined by most people, then you don't make any strides to reduce your meat consumption, to reduce your dairy consumption or anything, because you're just like, okay, well, I'm either in or I'm out. And I, I just don't think it should be so black and white. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there's definitely I don't see it so black and white. I think that there are people that similar to you, like they are kind of in that gray space in between and another thing too to like bring up in terms of like the three reasons why people go vegan and something that I don't really see a lot in like these articles or debates is the fact that you want like one of your viewpoints was um like the ethical cruelty free right but when you really look at like say like farms in California like the laborers that are working, they're still like, it's technically not like cruelty free because they're still enduring like um, unreasonable low wages or working in like really bad conditions. So one of the aspects that like isn't talked about a lot is like, even though maybe all you eat is like plants and veg, like vegetables, like where those vegetables come from, like if you're not like growing them in your like community garden or you know, most of the mass produced like companies that are, you know, like your strawberries, your, I don't know, your spinach, whatever, like most of that is still coming and like impacting people really negatively. Like they're living in conditions, um, they're not getting paid enough, like all of those things, which I think we should, yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah. I, so diving into that a little bit, um, I'll tell you why I don't like that argument. And, and there's no question that like, look, even, even harvesting vegetables has negative impacts on the animal can, can have negative impacts on the animal kingdom, not just in terms of human labor, but in pesticides and that are used, right. Yeah. Uh, that can kill bees and other things. So there, I, there's um, a lot of mice die in the harvesting of, of, of several crops. I mean, there's no question that like there isn't harvesting vegetables and fruits and grains doesn't come without it's also byproducts and casualties. But the reason I don't support that argument for, um, you know, uh, sort of just let's just eat everything. And, and because since nothing's perfect is like that, that very thing is like, if we're only striving for perfection, then we're never actually going to make progress and, and, and incremental change. So like, you know, you know, we talk about like, like that position that like, okay, well, some vegetable farming has, um, low wages for for humans and so it's not you know as it's not completely cruelty free but then you could i I would say well okay pig farming has can also have low wages for humans i mean um people can also be working in bad conditions there plus you have the clearly um sort of uh the pain and and suffering inflicted on 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 very sentient animals and pigs plus you have the additional carbon footprint of pig farming which is proven out in science versus a lot of um agricultural farming um and so then i would say like 
okay, so there's, you know, one negative from agricultural farming of cruelty and there's three from pig farming. So wouldn't we be better? Isn't one better than three? Um, and so like for that reason, I, I tend to sort of cringe at that sort of argument for um, just, you know, you know, eating anything. Cause I think it's kind of used by a lot of meat eaters to just sort of justify their behavior. Um, but again, I'm not also not advocating that everyone should just go vegan tomorrow. I, I don't even like the way veganism is defined necessarily because I, you know, what I, what I hope for that is everybody just to make strides within their power and with their power means their economic means, the alternatives that are presented to them. Cause not everybody has the same access to, you know, non, non animal foods, right. Non animal nutrients. And doesn't, not everybody has the same access to paying for these things at all, all. There's a lot of variables. So what I, I kind of hope for is that everyone is making the strides they can within their control, within their socioeconomic status, within their sort of lifestyle. But I, I don't, I don't think it's an all or nothing. And I don't think, you know, people that are not going a hundred percent of the way should be judged as evil or, or, or bad. Um, to me, it's just that as long as everyone is making strides in some way, um, everyone's going to be have a different place on the spectrum based on environmental and life conditions outside of your control. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm with you. I don't think that anything is like, oh, just because there's like one negative thing to it, like, oh, give up and just, you know, consume meat like all day, every day. I think it definitely is about balance and finding, like you're saying, within your means, like, finding alternatives in a lot of like even considering like food deserts and how like low-income communities don't even have access to like say organic food or like just you know like if we go to a grocery store maybe there are more meat options that are maybe I guess if you want to like go into like the whole grass-fed argument or whatever but there's definitely other towns where this just isn't a viable option. So I'm totally with you. I think it's more about um, figuring out like those smaller steps that you can take to either lower your consumption or, I mean, at the end of the day, what you're trying to strive for or what people should be trying to strive for in terms of like food is like their food being their medicine. So like if you are putting like, I don't know, I think if you're, consuming like pigs that obviously went through a lot you're still consuming all of like technically like their pain so if you were able to decrease even if it's like a few times a week it's definitely a start you're saying it's just a process yeah i mean i i think there's there's two like real barriers to kind of moving away from well, I'll say three, uh, three real barriers moving away from animal, animal products, right. In all, all aspects of life, not just sort of in your food, but in the things you wear and all these other, all those other factors for, I mean, and obviously I'm speaking to those who are sort of pro climate change and, and want and take this as a serious issue, which is probably a hundred percent of our listeners. I can't imagine why anybody would be following us, <laughs> listening to us if you don't care about these topics. Um, but I think the three kind of barriers are one, like real life economic, socioeconomic barriers um, um, in terms of like there needs to continue to be, you know, affordable alternatives um, that still provide the nutrients and, and to the value 
um, uh, versus, you know, kind of traditional, traditional things. And there's progress being made there, but it, there's, there's a lot more that needs to be made. And, um, you know, in general, like we don't put people in lower income situations in this country and all, all over the world, but especially in the U.S., in very easy positions um, to move away from these products. Because what do we do is we we put, you know, McDonald's and, um, you know, cheap, you know, meat, dairy heavy foods are the only things that we make really cheap and really filling in these neighborhoods. And we sort of, you know, the big corporations that benefit from this kind of prey on lower income neighborhoods and getting them hooked on these foods, um, which is really actually a chemical addiction that does form in your brain around, around food. Um, and, uh, and to me, like, it's not fair to sort of, you know, put the same requirement on a, uh, upper middle class person living in, you know, Malibu as a, um, working class person, you know, living in inner city St. Louis to say that they should be eating the exact same diet, you know? Um, so that's barrier one. Barrier number two to me is just sort of the mental barrier of change. Like making changes and making habit changes is hard. And, um, it, you know, whether it's your food, whether it's your, your lifestyle, whether it's your attitude, um, you know, your well, mental wellness, like, you know, everyone could improve in something and probably many things, but it's really hard to change habit. Um, and we have to recognize the difficulty of that. And that not everybody has the same willpower. Not everybody has the same ability. It doesn't mean that person is bad or evil. It just means like, you know, they might not be as strong on habit changing as you are, or, you know, there's other factors in their life that are influencing them that you don't have, you know what I mean? And we have to sort of like take that into consideration. Um, And then just three is like, you know, the, the sort of the larger, the larger industry, larger corporate industry benefits from, um, people not making these changes. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest with ourselves in this country where, you know, you have so much economic power in you know, places like McDonald's and Tyson foods and so much economic power in, you know, uh, health insurance, um, and really sort of the amount of people that get paid when people get sick. Well then, you know, it's sort of like, I make this argument with the soda industry all the time. Like, it's crazy to me that, we don't have a sugar tax in this country, right? Because added sugar is clearly detrimental to your short and yeah. long-term health. And it is a drug that people get addicted on. But if you look at corporations, well, Coca-Cola and Pepsi make a lot of money for people consuming sugar, but so does the, the healthcare industry from people getting diabetes. They also mm-hmm. make money from that. And so both sides are feeding each other saying, hey, look, um, you know, Coca-Cola is saying like, we're going to put sugar down people's throats all, all day long. And um, hey, you're going to make money out of this on the other side when they have diabetes and health issues. We both make a lot of money from it. And together we control, you know, a large part of this world, and this industry and, and this country. And so it's really hard to change that when the economic incentives are so much in the favor of keeping people on, you know, you know, farm factory meat and, and high sugar products and all these things. The, the larger economic incentives today still point towards keeping people that way. And as long as that's the case, it's, you know, you're not going to see a top down real change. And so the only changes happening bottom up grassroots movements. But then the problem there is like if the movement is all or nothing, if it's like, hey, you're either vegan or you're not, you're either one of us or you're not. That's actually not really a good way to build a grass up. Um, like dividing people is not how you actually get people to change. Right. Their yeah, I think 
there's definitely like some somewhat of an I think it's lessened over the years but there's definitely was a very like aggressive tone and like vegans trying to push you to veganism like almost like converting you versus like oh like I don't know minor steps like you're saying allowing you to figure out how can you minimize your impact especially if it's like about environmental impacts like the statistics the numbers are really clear in terms of how you can lower your impact like your carbon footprint just by eating less hamburgers and all of that yeah. so if we revisit those three things we talked about of like what it means like why people go vegan uh health environmental reasons and you know cruelty and moral reasons we could probably add a fourth one to it honestly which is you know tribalism um, you know, we are tribal creatures. We like to be part of things, right? We like to be part of communities. And I think like, you know, veganism today is also that for a lot of people. And they can, they, they feel now they're, they're part of a community. And that's also, and that also kind of reinforces it. <clears throat> but th the problem with that is, it, again, it alienates a lot of people and either says like, you're 100% in, you're not eating oysters or, 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 or mussels, you're not eating honey, you're not eating eggs, you're not eating dairy. Or you're on the other side yeah. and, you're bad, and you're like, you know, you can eat everything. And, you know, what we really need to redefine is there needs to be a tribalism around everybody who is just making, you know, pro environmental and pro climate and pro animal changes in their life that fits them, that, that they can do at the, at whatever progression they're able to do. And that, that should be enough to be yeah. in the community. Right. Um, there are definitely people that are not right. There are people outside of that. And that's and, and those people should be outside the community. Yeah. People that just don't care and have are totally apathetic to it. Um, but just because someone is able to make more change than somebody else, it doesn't mean one should be in, in the community, in this tribe and one shouldn't be. It just means that they 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 both have environmental and life factors that are different. And as long as they're both making those efforts they 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 should embrace one another um versus sort of seeing that seeing each other as like you know i, I don't know like tribal definitely animals. i'm with you there i think with time people are becoming more like you're saying like it's not so black and white it is about that gray area and it is about like if you want it to be a grassroots movement you have to be like inviting to the people and like meet them where they're at you know yeah. I mean, like take, uh, for example, um, someone that you and I both know very well, uh, Mr. Manny. <laughs> um, and uh, for context, uh, Manny is Annalie's boyfriend and, and over the years has become a, a good friend of mine and someone I, uh, I really appreciate and am thankful um, for in, in, in many ways. Um, and, you know, I, you know, uh, I, 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 often I, I and I'm a very I'm, I'm I'm I often oversell you know sort of you know kind of uh vegan animal free sort of lifestyle and kind of over push it on Manny to the point where I realize it's like detrimental to actually helping like getting him to make any even small changes because I'm you know I'm I'm pushing too hard on like I'm being that like yes using shame you know what I mean and it's not yeah yeah exactly but when I when I sit back and I think about it, I you know, you know Manny does say, "Hey, uh, I hear you. Um, 
um, I'm going to get there, but I'm just going to get there at my, at the pace that, that like, you know, works for me. Um, and I do think, you know, Manny, you know, um, will, you know, make changes over time and it might not come in food first. It might come in other things, right. That are pro-environmental. Um, but I do think like, um, it's a, it's a, just a good example of somebody who it's not fair for me to say, to, to look at Manny and say, Hey, you're not all in, in the way I'm all in. So like, you're not doing enough. That's not fair at all because there's very different life environmental factors. Um, and frankly, when I was Manny's age, I was eating meat like Mm -hmm. nobody's business. Right. (laughs) So, um, you know, uh, I didn't really have the information, um, that I'm now trying to like say impart on Manny right now, but it's also just sort of like recognizing that everybody makes these changes, um, on a different cadence and, um, and has different factors in their life. And as long as I think people, I, I see what's going on. I care about the environment. I'm going to do my part over a period of time. Be all that's required to, to embrace each other and say, cool, we're in this together. Yeah. Just, you know. I think once we, once we see also just like realizing that your impact, like an individual's impact does have a collective impact. And when we kind of stop, stop thinking of that individualistic like mentality, you know, we can say like, okay, yeah, like my consumption or like the way that I travel, um, it's also going to impact you. So like, like you're saying, start where you're at and, and just like, And what you know yeah i mean all the information is definitely out there so it's accessible now um you know it's sort of whether or not you you classify um mollusks uh clams oysters um mussels scallops um as vegan or not is really pretty subjective because as we discussed especially with oysters um it really comes down to like that moral decision and that that sort of tribal decision because it's not really a health and environmental issue as much as you know uh, the rest of the sort of animal consumption industry is. Um, so you really get to kind of do that on your own. You shouldn't be shamed for it either way. You shouldn't be shamed, period, for um, you know eating meat and dairy. Um, as we talked about, it just sort of our our kind of struggle with the way veganism is so tightly defined and polarizing. Um, it's really just about like, you know, you know, you know, truthfully yourself, if you're making the strides and changes that you have in your power um, to make, and those are going to be different for everybody. And only, you know, if you're doing it or not, and if you're doing it, whatever that means for you, then, you know, you're, you're part of the positive movement. Um, Even if it's smaller changes than other people are making right now, because again, everybody's unique. Everybody has unique circumstances and, um, you know, all, all that we can ask is that, you know, folks start to make those changes in their life and we should not sort of define, define it as all or nothing, um, in a way like veganism sort of gets defined by, by many. Yeah, definitely with you there. No, that's a good wrap. I appreciate the conversation. Cool. Well, Nala's also excited <laughs> about it. She is not, she is not a vegan dog. Um, <laughs> by any means um (laughs) and so she uh she 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 will eat oysters and mussels um any day (laughs) um all right cool
we'll uh, wrap it up and until next week. Until next time.